all views and opinions in this podcast are not meant to offend or hurt the sentiments of including but not limited to any person living or dead religion or ethnic group community or country Indian food is so much more than dal butter chicken or samosa the average indian isn't even remotely aware of the tremendous culinary diversity the country has to offer if the average indian isn't aware the world surely hasn't a clue and on this podcast we're talking about all sorts of interesting regional indian cuisines that just don't get the love they deserve my name is rakshan bambot and this is beyond butter chicken India is the land of royalty. Several kings and emperors have ruled the country for centuries. Our brilliant and varied historical monuments are an homage to that golden era. In that time, everything was done on an elaborate scale, be it architecture, palaces, art or jewelry. So then what about the cuisine you ask? If they lived king size, then surely they ate like that too. We've heard tales of the toothless nawab and his famous kalautic kebabs dedicated to him. But there have been various dishes from several royal families across the country that warrant the same fame or at least a discussion. My guest for today's episode is someone who has taken her passion and turned it into a flourishing food business. Anuradha Joshi Medora started Charoli Foods to showcase recipes from the royal kitchens of Malwa. Anuradha, thank you so much for being on the show. This is Bab, I'm really, really excited about this. Thank you so much for having me here. I'm very excited as well. I, I mean, I know we're talking about royal cuisine, and there's so many. I mean, you know, royal families in so many different parts. So let's start right from the beginning. When you talk about cuisines from the royal kitchens of Malwa, where is Malwa? What are we talking about exactly? All right. So Malwa is the western part of New Age Madhya Pradesh. It's the region that uh, borders Gujarat, Maharashtra, and Rajasthan. Mm-hmm. Essentially, so you have the the Malwa Sultanate back in the Mughal era, right? Okay. That pretty much the Malwa Plateau itself. It's also a very geographic location. so not necessarily specific to one state but a little mm-hmm. bit of all three yes so it's madhya pradesh primarily mm-hmm. and because it's bordered by these three states there's a lot of influence also remember now when we say state we're referring to a rajasthan or gujarat or you know you know the new age indian states but uh, when we're talking about this we need to kind of go back in time and when we then say state it is the holkar state it is the sindhya state it is a deva state it is because then you're talking about the royal states correct you know so to say that it's it's one state would be unfair because there's so much uh, there are different states that are a part of this region mm-hmm. and so the cuisine is influenced uh, by everything that borders it and the collective history of these states as well yeah so Uh, I know you're from Indore, but apart from just being a local in Indore, and obviously you know access to this, what made you so interested in this specific cuisine? Like, I would imagine you'd still want to talk about where you grew up and your city, the food that you eat in your city. But what makes you go back and say, "Hey, I want to deep dive into the royal cuisine." So it's it's something that happens so organically to be honest you know when you live away from home you miss the food that you kind of grew up eating oh yeah for sure uh, like you know that's one of the things that you miss a lot 
that is exactly how I actually started cooking because this is the food I grew up eating. Mm-hmm. And then I started missing it. And so, you know, when you get your own kitchen and your first apartment, you start experimenting and try and create things that remind you of home. And that's how it really started. And then every time I kind of went back, I've lived away from home for a very long period of time. So every time I did go back, very organically, I started asking these questions for no other reason but greed. Yeah. So that I get, I can cook it and I can eat things that I miss. And every time that I went back, I felt like there was a little shift in the recipe from my childhood memory mm-hmm. of this recipe. So, you know, a grandmother has passed away in the house or uh, she, they're not doing, uh, she's not so well or uh, the grandfather is no more. And, you know, the recipes or even like an old cook, Khan Salman, one of the old homes is uh, died or gone back, you know, to spend his last few years in the village. And then though this thing is being made, there is this shift yeah. that has happened. And in terms of the recipe, right? Like in terms of the recipe and flavor. And I'm like, hey, this is not how I remember it. Correct. And I was Correct. like, you know what? I better start writing this down <laughs> because, uh, you know, I want to eat what I remember because it also, remember food also has so much memory. Yeah. And it takes you back instantly in time. And for me, this is like food of my childhood. And most of these recipes take me back to, uh, you know, the lawns where I'm sitting and my Nana Sab is cooking or, you know, I've come back from boarding school and mom has like made like this feast at home, which is so uh, or, you know, I've called my aunt and said, hey, I'm coming and I want this, 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 this. You know, this. And, you know, when it's nostalgia, it, really. It's nostalgia. And when yeah. it changes, I just, it really just was for me. Mm-hmm. It wasn't for anybody. And then because I'm generally a history, I love history and I'm generally like a geek. I started really reading up on it. Yeah. Uh, so things that we took for granted growing up also has historical significance. Oh, absolutely. Right. And then when I started growing older, uh, while I started reading about all of this, I also started asking very, very important questions, which, you know, I'm sure had I just kind of continued to live there, I would not have asked because it's, you know, you take it for granted. And that is exactly what has happened with cuisine. People who are still there have taken it for granted because you just don't see the value or the historical significance. That always happens. You just take for granted what you've grown up with. Absolutely. It's very interesting that you said this is the food that you grew up eating and, um, you know, you want more of it and you want to be reminded of it. But for me, I would imagine that this cuisine is more celebratory is it something that people in indoor or even in the states just eat in their regular day-to-day cuisine like their normal daily food or is it reserved for say occasions or celebrations or do people even realize that you know some of their regular recipes are actually seeped in history and have this sort of historical provenance to it so there, there are two kinds of recipes, right? Mm-hmm. There are obviously recipes that are made for celebrations, mm-hmm. uh, which are richer, will take longer. The process is longer. Honestly, I think uh, nowadays things are really process driven and how much time is consumed uh, is, is really the factor in saying, hey, this is going to be made once in a while and this is going to be a festival specific uh, yes. recipe or, you know, when we're having a dawat, uh, we're going to cook this. But honestly, there is also a large set of recipes that are cooked regularly because this is, it's like saying if you go to a Punjabi household where the sag is made regularly. 
Yeah. And winter hits and sag is made. And it's it's pretty much like that because we do like our meat. Mm-hmm. And if we're going to eat our meat, then we're going to cook it the way we know, know how to cook it. Yeah. Right? Maybe a pasanda or a kofta or, uh, you know, something that that is just takes much longer will be cooked once in a while. And so it becomes a festive dish. Yeah. It warrants the celebration and the labor that you, the time that you spend. The effort that is spent more than anything else. Yeah. Uh, But, you know, meat is eaten regularly. Chicken, mutton, primarily fish, uh, which is river fish. Yeah, to say, I think there are preparations and then there are preparations and that's how it is. Yeah. But uh, to say it's very heavy food or or maybe our bodies are used to it. Yeah, uh, of course. But you know, like for you, you're a Parsi and you eat meat regularly, yeah. I'm sure. Yeah. Right. And uh, so it's, it's exactly like that. It's, it's what is it? It's, it's, it's a meat heavy cuisine. Yeah. Right. But again, it is something that uh, do you eat the meats also in your everyday preparations or are they saved only for celebratory dishes? So meat is generally eaten every day, Mm -hmm. once one meal a day at least. But that is see, that's again very home to home specific now. Yeah. Right. I mean, if we historically, if we talk about it, of course, it was eaten every day. Yeah, right? because there was a lot of physical activity, and uh, the Marathas, the Rajputs, and the Nawabs and Begums of Bhopal are uh, primarily carnivores. Yeah, right. And uh, it's so funny because they are prime; they were rather primarily carnivores, and that has trickled down. But the misconception, or at least the idea—I won't say misconception—that might be a, a strong word. But the idea when you associate. For some reason, even when I think of Madhya Pradesh and just parts of it, I always associate it to be more vegetarian driven and not have that much meat uh, in its culinary repertoire. And you're telling me that is incorrect. So see, that's the thing, right? If you go to Indore today, you're going to feel like it's a vegetarian city. Yes, absolutely. I haven't been to Indore, but I have so many close friends, including my producer sitting opposite yeah. me, just feverishly nodding. Um, <laughs> and, and, you know, the so all the lovely street food that you hear of and, and the different yes. dishes and the identity that the city has sort of created yes. for itself yes. is vegetarian. So by default, you know, I think the, the celebratory, the meat and all that is kept for special occasions or it's not given that much importance. See, the thing is, there are a lot of Jains, there are a lot of Marwadis, you yes. know, the the vegetarian population of the state has grown yeah. tremendously oh, in the, you know, in the last century. And there are bazaar, like the, the famous Sarafa bazaar, where everyone goes at right. night, is a pure vegetarian bazaar, because remember that it's the old indoor. It's a bazaar that kind of opens after the jewelry shops shut. Okay. In the evening, so around seven, eight o'clock, when the shops that are open through the day are jewelry shops that shut, this bazaar opens. Now, that bazaar is pure vegetarian. You cannot serve a non-vegetarian fare there because I'm guessing all the jewelers come from a certain community, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And uh, so uh, they have made sure that whatever happens in that region is vegetarian. Also, remember, there was a huge class distinction almost uh-huh. in uh, the royals and uh, the regular folk. Commoners, of- yeah. Yes. 
and the cuisine never really left these homes you will not it's very hard to find uh, this kind of food when you uh, go to uh, visit any of the areas in malwa yeah uh, you know, i think no an old family who's also willing to put in all this effort yeah i think also we forget then that it's not city specific because when we're talking about malwa like you said at the beginning it's it's an amalgamation of influences from three states so you know um whereas the marathas were known for uh, eating meat and and still do it's very much yes. prominent in their cuisine even today so i suppose it's that mix but over time maybe the the focus has not been on meat that much like in the in the spotlight i suppose people eat it in their homes but it's not talked about as much as it probably was when a king was ruling no because who's also it's, it's not that it's it's just that i'm not you know like these old families they protect these recipes with everything they've got oh it's a secret recipe oh are you okay it's a secret recipe it's great but uh, uh, you know you after you die the secret yeah. is going to kind of die with you and this yeah. recipe is going to go that and- is the worst you know and um, it's so funny because i had this conversation with a friend of mine as well and it's the same thing for us uh, in our community yeah. we with the parsi community like we you you there's nothing that's actually written down unfortunately for us it's all word of mouth and you know over time like the, the cookbook that we have is like maybe yeah. 50 to yeah. 70 years old or 100 years old is still relatively new in comparison to like how long yeah. we've been around and nobody wants to talk about it everything is like oh this is my secret recipe and we're like but yeah. well, what about the next generation i i'm not telepathic to read your mind and uh, figure it out but and and at the same time you want the legacy to continue So I completely understand that must be have been really frustrating for you to try and document things. So um some of it was but yeah. thankfully a lot of it uh, you know was already a part of our family's uh, repertoire because my grandfathers had collected it. Oh lovely. Uh and they had they were very close friends with the royalty of the region especially my nana sahab and so you know we had this. Yeah. I had like a massive set of recipes that technically were the secret recipes of our family <laughs> uh, which you know collected uh, by royal you know royal families around the region from them so it's nice to have that upper hand yeah. so now since you have all these recipes and you've already you know been doing your research and you've got everything in place what would you say is influence or what would you say is like a typical meal from the royal kitchens what what are the influences like like is it spicy uh, are there is there a certain ingredient that's prevalent in things or it's a mix how would you describe it right, so it's a mix okay. let's start right. <laughs> this is this is a really uh, long conversation because remember we're talking about maratha states mm-hmm. so obvious influence of the maratha cuisine uh, you know going back centuries uh, when uh, you know the invasions happened in the marathas meant and uh, you know two sardars uh, the two big sardars settled in an indore and a gwalior and then later became uh, rulers in their own right mm-hmm. which are the sindhyas and the holkars there are there are other uh, maratha states like devas and you know around that region as well dhar and then you have the rajput states yeah right 
So you have your Dhabwa, you have your Kati Baroda, you have uh, Sitama, you have you know, a lot of, lot of uh, uh-huh. Rajput states. And, you know, if you trace their history, they go to all the way to Rajputana. Uh-huh. During a conquest, this region was captured by, say, Jodhpur. And so, you know, this area was given to the third son from the (laughs) Jodhpur family to manage. Yeah. And uh, so their culinary repertoire obviously kind of resembles uh, more of what you would uh, eat in a Rajasthan. Yeah. Right. Bhopal, you would, uh, obvious influence of the Mughal style of cooking. Yes, uh, I noticed that a lot. Yeah. So the Shirazi influences in uh, their food, because of course it was an Islamic state and uh, automatically uh, a lot of influence, um, you know, as so you'll see a lot of similarity in the way uh, Bhopali food and Hyderabadi food is. Yeah. Right. There will be uh, overlaps. There will be uh, similar textures. There'll be similar flavors. There'll be similar techniques. Uh, Bobali, I feel, is richer just because of the way, the kind of uh, ingredients that they use. Yeah. Uh, Something common that I have kind of noticed in all these cuisines is the use use of ghee. Okay. Very uh, free with the use of ghee. (laughs) Uh, You know, there's no concept of kind of holding back really. But honestly, again, you know, when you uh, cook all of this and you use the best ingredients, surprisingly, I don't think it's very heavy. You know, I mean, I'm sure that you think, oh my God, this this has to be really rich food. Yeah, yeah. And I've sent that food to you as well. Yes, but I yes. guarantee you, if you order from uh, any other Mughlai uh, restaurant versus when you eat this food, you're not going to get that heaviness that yeah. you feel, uh, you know, that is followed by the food because of the techniques of cooking. Yeah, I think also and, most commercial places are just liberal with their oil and and it's usually the oil and also the spices, but a very heavy hand, which is, un, in my opinion, not needed. Not um, but you're right, I have eaten your food. It's fantastic. And there is a lot of restraint, which I appreciate because you're right. You can eat an entire cost meal yeah. and still feel like it's been a wonderful experience versus, oh my God, I don't think I can eat dinner anymore. Yeah, I need so coke now. I need to burp yeah. it all out like that. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Yeah, I mean, that's what happens. So, you know, I think it's it's a misconception. Please remember that this cuisine was kind of developed for royalty. Yeah. So there is a lot of finesse in the process itself. Yeah. So even though they're going to use all of this ghee that is used across, it's used correctly. Yeah. And also, it's not just, as I'm talking to you, I'm trying to understand this, it's not just cuisine or when you say the royal kitchens of like one time. I mean, we're talking royalty, we're talking uh, through the years, we're oh, talking yeah. a lot of cross-pollination um, of marriages, you know. I was, yes. One king married another uh, queen from somewhere else and moved. But it's all encompassed in that region of Malwa. In all of that region. See, what I was just going to come to that. Remember that, you know, every state has all of these royal marriages that happen. Yeah. And uh, just like regular people, when they get married, when the woman comes, uh, she gets her set of recipes from her home. Yeah. And uh, because she misses home. You know, just like in my house, I never is eating what uh, (laughs) I miss. Yeah, Uh, Just exactly like that. Historically, this would happen and she would come with her set of uh, cooks 
her maids, her, uh, you know, her tam tam. Yeah, her, her recipes. Would, yeah, her recipes, which would then blend into these recipes that are already a part of the royal state. So mm-hmm. if you go to a Gwalior, uh, because there's a huge influence influence of Nepal, even in fact in Jhabha, because the Rajmata was, uh, you know, Nepal, yeah. uh, a descendant of the Nepal royal family, yes. you will see a very strong Nepali food influence. Mm-hmm. Where there's, in fact, in Gwalior, even today, there's a separate uh, palace menu, uh, which is cooked by uh, the Nepal chefs. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, it's there. It's still there. I don't know if it's, you know, still there. But last when I uh, was, at, you know, at Jaivalas, it's there. And I think it's it's a part of the hotel also now. I mean, yeah. you can ask uh, in advance to... Uh, so I'd like to have um, what the Rajmata had. And I want... Yeah, I would, like to have, I would like to get it. Yes, I would get like to get like, you know, a list of... Uh, oh, I would like to eat from the Nepal, uh, you yeah. know, uh, part of the cuisine and you'll get it. How else do you otherwise, you know, even in in, uh, in the heart of this country, how do you expect to eat so many dishes cooked with coconuts? Yeah. That, because that, of the Maratha influence. Right. Because they went from here, right? Yeah. They went from Maharashtra and so they had coconut, which was <laughs> such an important part and is even till date part of the Maharashtrian cuisine. Absolutely. And so this is this. I mean, you're going back possibly hundred, couple of hundred years. Yeah, at right? least, at, at least. least, at least. And so it's there. And then uh, the cooler, younger Maharajas towards the later part of uh, the last century that married these white women, uh, you know, Americans and Europeans, and with them came like a completely different cuisine. Oh, really? I didn't know this. Yes. In fact, we do something called the White Maharani's Christmas Feast. <laughs> oh, lovely. Uh, dedicated to, because Christmas otherwise was not celebrated till uh, these Maharani's, uh, you know, kind of uh, the white women came and. Uh, so these were Europeans and Americans. Yes, they were Europeans and Americans. So I, I would imagine this is uh, right at the, towards the end, um, during the British rule. Yes, of course, because, yeah. uh, you know, that's when... Uh, a lot of our royalty uh, was uh, European, you know, leaned more towards uh, the way of the Europeans. That's amazing. I had no idea about this. And this yes. uh, white Maharani exactly. Christmas yes. yeah, Christmas uh, thing sounds fab. <laughs> it is, because, you know, it resembles a lot of what the East Indians would eat, but mm-hmm. different because the region, again, uh, you're kind of cooking with what you got in the region which yeah. and you know so uh, it's very interesting like you have like you know i do something called the maharaja shepherd's pie mm-hmm. the maharaja is not going to eat a bland shepherd's pie right of course yeah. but the maharani wants it <laughs> and so there is this you know almost like a compromise struck yeah uh, where uh, so you get that shepherd's pie mm-hmm. which is spiced mildly but it's spiced and spiced, it's different, yeah. and, uh, you know, because an Indian Maharaja, no matter what, is not going to eat something that's absolutely bland. Yeah, I mean, it. I, I'm sure it wasn't bland, but for us, if there's not a yeah. nice uh, handful of, say, oh, cumin, spice. coriander, and some sort of flavoring agents, it's, it, not uh, it's bland. <laughs> yeah, bland. And so there was this entire, um, you know, list 
and a completely new cuisine that came out from yeah. this so it's, it's very interesting when you really get into again the history of the cuisine you will uh, you will be able to trace uh, individual recipes if you just apply a little bit of common sense to its origin yeah uh, of course you of know course. like you have a murghi ki kadhi that we do now this you didn't really need to do anything with besan and mala because it's a region of plenty yeah right but if you can't really understand it you'll be like hey it had to have come from rajputana because well, there isn't a lot of vegetation there and besan is such an important ingredient even today correct the food because it can be preserved and you can do so much with it that it was so it was almost a master stroke to kind of combine meat which was available because you know well you know there'd always be kill available yeah yeah with a, a staple of the region and to create something so magnificent and then of course it has traveled with somebody who has gotten married into one of the royal gharanas in malwa yeah you know that's the uh, best way to explain it really and all these recipes get created because of this wonderful mix and match yeah. um, of royalty absolutely and remember and then using ingredients that are available in the region so they're easy so even our lalmas will be a little different than the lalmas you get in jodhpur mm-hmm. but it's lalmas yeah and then that lalmas will vary from multiple rajput states in the region sita ma will make it differently yeah uh, you yeah. know uh, jhabua will make it differently but i feel like that's really the highlight of indian cuisine because yeah. even if there's one and we've been talking so much on the podcast about how there's food beyond butter chicken and you know there's there different dishes and even if you like exactly like you said even if you take like say that lalmas every house or every region will have their own little tweak or take yeah. to it yes because um, usually because of the spice that is available yeah it will change simply also the nuttiness of the ghee something as simple as where the cattle has grazed yeah i also feel like a lot of it is the water the water of course yeah. of course water plays a very important role uh, the kind of chili that is grown because chili is integral to all across you know the way you cook and True. it changes yeah and every region uh, will have a different spice so it it it's it's very very interesting on how the same recipe or the same you can't call it a recipe but the same item mm-hmm. will have different recipes i like that yeah. so would you say people are still drawn to this um when i say people i mean you know the young the younger crowd uh, i know you have grown up with these recipes and i'm sure a lot of other people have um from the region as well but do you think they still want to eat this sort of stuff or do you think now everyone is like no we want to you know eat the pizza or pasta or for lack of a better option butter chicken um you know do you think that they they gravitate towards these familiar quote unquote recipes or do you think that no people want to go back to their origins so which are the people that we are talking about that is important are we talking about the regular folk uh, who have never been introduced to this food Because no i'm talking i no i would imagine people who have never been introduced to the food are obviously curious so there is a interest and say yeah i want to try it and that would be me right like i have not grown up with this so there's a heavy amount of curiosity and interest and all that but i'm saying for 
people who you grew up with, say like, you know, someone you went to school with or anyone yeah. who's in the region of Malwa, not yeah. necessarily just Indore. Do you think that there is an appreciation for this even now? Like, do you think someone would, I know you have started your uh, delivery kitchen, but do you think people would put this in a restaurant? Um, or would yeah. they gravitate to yeah. like a pizza parlor? No, so they would put it. I mean, there are, I'm sure there are a few people who've actually uh, realized the value of this and, mm-hmm. you know, um, uh, have kind of revisited their uh, uh, this cuisine and the history behind it. Also, it's age. I think, uh, you know, as you kind of hit your late 20s, you start enjoying uh, your, <laughs> your food versus uh you know when you're younger and you just want to hit that pizza and get that carb going and you know get those uh, salamis and uh, you know or you want to be trendy i suppose you want to do what is trendy when you're hanging with people you don't you know but i think as you kind of reach a certain age you're like you know what just give me that curry you know give me uh food that appeals to my soul oh yeah i mean i I resonate with that line so much. Yeah, it happens to us all. I mean, I'm like, just give it to me. Just give me that, you know, that wholesome curry. Let me just feel so, uh, you know, satisfied after my meal. And I think that is what it really is. Um, There is still a lot of this made in homes. Mm-hmm. I'm sure there are shortcuts that people have found. Oh, for uh, sure. That I think that that happens just because you want convenience of cooking. Also. Absolutely, but there are versions of this that are still made, mm-hmm. that is still kind of cooked, and um, you know. So to say that I think it's more age specific, like I said, and I'm sure that it's just people really- are still interested. It is just that, and I I can assure you, most of these kids when they don't have friends around. They also want to eat, the, you know, the kebabs and curries of the world. But as soon yeah. as the friends are coming over, can I watch this? And can I just get a pizza? Yeah, yeah. But it's, it's uh, I'm too cool uh, factor uh, that goes into. But know. secretly, this is what they want. Yeah, I like that. I'm glad. So you run Charoli Foods, uh, where it's a delivery kitchen where you're introducing people to this cuisine, and that's actually how we know each other. Because yes. I've eaten your food, which you very graciously sent me. And uh, and I've had it more than once. I want to call it a dawat, you know, like a feast. Because it's not just an a la carte sort of thing. It's a very elaborate, uh, these are my cost-wise uh, meals that you can eat at your home. And I'm assuming the response has been fabulous. And I, I know I can say this because I, we, you know, we talk. <laughs> we talk. <laughs> <laughs> Anyone who's in the food scene in Mumbai, we 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 have a little, you know, tete-a-tete. Um, so I know for a fact that it's been uh, the response has been great. But I want to ask you through this um delivery kitchen and your, you know, you've done interviews and you're talking about it, and like you're doing this podcast, you know, you're creating more awareness and educating people about this region and this um yep. royal cuisine. Do you think, uh, or I would say, what do you think are the biggest misconceptions about uh, the cuisine from Malwa? Like when you come to someone and you say, this is what I'm doing, I'm, I'm, you know, I have, it's my, from the royal kitchens. What do you think is their misconception? The first misconception is uh, they think I'm serving seafood because Malwa as a region. Oh my gosh. And I'm like, "Uh, no. Wow. I didn't see that coming. Yeah. 
the malwa the malwa mm-hmm. the malwan coast is is something that or so, malwani food yeah uh, you know i've had publications of written that i'm like no wow okay so for those who are not familiar uh, the malwani coast is from the coast of um, maharashtra, maharashtra. Uh, it goes down to goa and even yes. sometimes uh, to karnataka but it's it's that coast and here we're talking about like landlocked the heart region. of the country <laughs> wow so yes. seafood is what they think it is yeah so they think it's seafood and you know or else they just assume that it's very heavy the food's mm-hmm. very heavy mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and then to kind of make them understand that buddy are you telling me that you're not ordering from your local mughlai you know yeah thai yeah. restaurant are you not doing that or from your butter chicken place yeah yeah and what do you think that is that is in fact i feel uh, that's the heaviest yeah do you think they compare also like do you think they say oh i've eaten this dish somewhere else like uh, it could be a kebab or a curry do you think there's comparison like oh i ate this in delhi and i think uh, this is very different this is not how it should be made and stuff like that so we haven't gotten that thank god as yet <laughs> because i don't think people have eaten uh, you know but yeah we've had a comparison drawn between our lalmas and uh, other well, lalmas that people have yeah. eaten on their trips of rajasthan and you know typically yeah. when someone goes for like a week they come back and they're like oh i've eaten lalmas for seven meals in in the seven days that i was there yeah. and so i know uh, what lalmas is so it's very hard <laughs> in that look buddy yeah. yeah you know and if you traveled across rajasthan also every state in rajasthan so your jaipur your jodhpur your udaipur every state will have a different lalmas please understand that yeah like wise uh, you know here because that's the only dish that they've heard of yeah that they can compare but surprisingly uh, you know i mean our food uh, the way the cuisine has only and only been compared to fine dining restaurants oh is it yes so it's been very interesting so uh, you know food writers and bloggers and you know uh, have written to me saying oh my god we cannot believe that we have eaten this kind of food in a delivery format uh, in the price range that we are getting it at uh, because you know you you would expect this at a peshawari or i, I can you know? see that and uh, so we didn't expect this nuance or the finer uh, part yeah. of this to just kind of sit at home order it and eat it and uh, that's been uh, the response and that's made me very very happy obviously i'm glad <laughs> it is it is uh, that cuisine and you know that was one of the I, i felt that this would be a challenge and i still sometimes feel that you know in a delivery format to do justice to this kind of food is so hard Oh I think you do more than do justice yes. and I can say that because I've eaten it I've seen it and you know it's so funny like mom recognizes it now like she recognizes oh. the packaging she said we've eaten from here before no as it is that is so sweet and you have polished it off so yeah. <laughs> so yes so we 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 try you know I, I mean I send my reheating instructions and all of that because again the cuisine is so fine yeah and i always say i'm like this this food is not for a teeny bopper those are not yeah. my target uh, you know it is not a cool food brand and yeah. you know i don't want to do gimmicks and you know i don't i don't want to do all of that and i've been yeah. we've been very clear about that from day one because it is a very serious cuisine 
Yeah. It is. Okay, and you want to so give it that respect. History. Yes. It's so seeped in history that it's so hard for me to make it like frivolous. You know, yeah, frivolous almost. Uh, yeah. You know, there, there is a story behind it. I mean, you'd be sitting with a king and eating it at his table and I suddenly don't want to dilute that because, uh, you know, I want it to become more appealing to a younger uh, crowd. So I think that these have really been our, uh, you know, struggles. Very interesting. Uh-huh. So um, I love asking people this and there's really no right or wrong answer. But what would you say is the one dish that really represents this cuisine? According to you. It would be the maska halwa. Okay. Which is Can a you, mutton dessert. A mutton dessert. I was just going to ask you because I was like mask and then halwa as in like yes. sweet. Yes. Okay. Yes. It would be the maska halwa. It is mutton um, that is cooked and then converted into a halwa, which is a dessert laden with ghee and sugar and, you know, all things nice. Uh, and, and describe this to me. This would be um, shredded mutton or almost, uh, would you say make ha- halim-like texture? Halwa. No, no. It's no. exactly like a halwa. You would think you're eating ateka halwa or a munka halwa or, you know, one of those. Wow. Um, yeah. If I I didn't you, even obviously a slight I'm going to send you I'm going to send you a sample but there's a slight aftertaste very very uh, you mild know, very mild that would give it away okay. uh, you know but I would I would say uh, multiple desserts that are made using proteins so there is a maska halwa there's a murka halwa there's a murke gulab jamun there is a machli ke gulab jamun wow so there is ande ka halwa you know so uh, again, history, right? <laughs> it's so funny. Both my, my producer and I are looking at each other like, what? I, did you just say chicken gulab jamun? Yes. Yes. Machli ke gulab jamun. That's uh, fantastic. And again, very specific to this region. That's a fab answer. I thought you were going to say like a curry or a lalmas or something. I, I, was like, I had to think about that one a little bit. You know why I will uh, explain because this, I think the shock value because people just don't believe it. Absolutely. That's a great, that's the word shock value. <laughs> yeah. Because just people are like, what? No. And yeah. we did this. Uh, I did, I did something at the Bombay canteen many years ago. Uh, mm-hmm. We were just a home kitchen. We, we would do pop-ups as yeah. we about the time. And they were doing regional cuisines of India. Yeah. You know, there's this uh, canteen class. And so oh, you had yeah. to take one item, uh, you know, that you could. And this is what I took. And all the students, all the hotel management uh, students, you know, ate it. And they're like, no, no. Baffled. They <laughs> just could not, uh, you know, kind of put their finger on and say, hey, this is, this is no. I mean, that's all. Everybody's looking at me saying no. <laughs> yeah, you know, history, history people. Yeah. History. So like today, if a child is not eating his meal, Mm-hmm. Uh, typically you give him a cake, you give him a brownie, you give him an ice cream, you give him a chocolate and he'll eat it. Yeah. Because it's, you know, addiction to sugar. Yeah. Right. Now, back in the day, it was laddu, peda, halwa, yeah. kheer, right? Yeah. So that yeah. These were the equivalents of the new age desserts. Indian it would always be very easy for a child to eat a halwa very willingly. Yeah. Uh, versus curry and uh, roti and you know just the headache yeah. of uh, and the fussy princess 
and remember now you're talking to royalty so the bichara daimas can't even scold them saying you know you'll get <laughs> that's not happening because he's the future king of this region it's not going to happen so uh, you know these recipes are really devised to kind of trick them into getting their fill of protein that's amazing and the takat that they needed to kind of go through an entire day of rigorous training yeah right yeah. because i mean there was a lot of physical work even the royalty had to do you know if you are going from one place to another you're riding a horse but um, it's still work know, and yeah and it's you know and your education is really also talwar bazi or you know whatever i mean a lot of physical work so this is really kind of uh, concocted to fool these guys uh, kids into eating uh, their fill of protein that's fabulous i i mean on the podcast we've asked everyone this question that with whichever uh, cuisine we're talking about and i think this is by far my best answer <laughs> Yes. Super. So before we wrap up I want to ask you what is next in store for you and for Charlie. Well, that's such a uh, you know uh scary. <laughs> <laughs> I don't mean to scare you. I'm just saying like uh, what what would you like to I, do next? I would I would ideally uh like to um have a space of my own where you know I can bridge that gap between what I like I said that khatirdari that goes missing when we deliver. Yes, yes. Um, you know that experience of sitting um you know at a table and being served like royalty that is missing. I I would want to kind of bridge that gap because it is as much about the experience of this food Mm-hmm. as it is you know i can only send so much uh, when i'm delivering there's only True. and not everybody is interested not everybody is going to sit and read the history just because <laughs> i decided it's important you read it yeah you know, yeah it's not going to happen and i i i wish i you know i mean i that is ideally the next thing that uh, i would want with charoli that would be the next logical step i really really hope that happens because i think i feel like i'd be the first one to go there <laughs> just cuz this is i mean this is how i want to eat as well like i want to know the stories behind it i want to have the experience of dining not just tasting but you know experiencing everything that goes along with it so i wish you the best i really hope that happens thank you so much thank you so much for being on this podcast this was fab yeah. and i i really hope for anyone who's listening in it gives you a glimpse of one of the many royal cuisines in this country we've just picked one region because that is your specialty and it's you know it also i hope it sort of interests people to learn more and then go beyond so for you it's uh, you know beyond butter chicken yeah I, why charoli really kind of started to go beyond rajasthan yeah you know, because every time you say oh royalty people are like oh rajasthan and i'm like oh, what was the rest of india <laughs> what is only the britishers came and took over people who were just generally walking yeah. around in lungis is it yeah there's so many royal states and this is this is my region and you know Absolutely. there was royalty here and somebody uh, down south there was royalty there and that was beyond hyderabad yeah uh, and you know i mean there's this royalty in the northeast uh, odisha had their fair share of royal families and manipur yeah. did and so what about that i mean so beyond rajasthan yeah and maybe you know, we'll do a series you know maybe we'll do another podcast dedicated to just 
royal cuisines yeah. across the country. Yes. I think that would yes. be fab. I think that'll be very interesting. <laughs> very Great. Good. Thank you so much. I'm going to catch up with you soon. If you want to know more about Anuradha and what she's doing, make sure to follow her on Instagram and follow her at Charlie Foods as well. They do great stuff. If you're ever in the city or you're coming by, make sure to grab a meal. Trust me, you will love it. Thank you so much Thank for doing this. Thank you so much. Thank you, Roxanne. If you enjoyed this podcast, you can tune in every week for a brand new episode where I talk to another expert and delve into a different aspect of Indian cuisine. You can listen to more episodes of the Beyond Butter Chicken podcast on Spotify, Apple Music or any of your favorite podcast platforms. And make sure to follow us at Mammoth Media Publishing and The Tiny Taster for more updates. Until next time.